Leap brings together hundreds of thousands of people from around the world to step into new worlds and discover what's next for technology. Visit OneGiantLeap.com to register for your free ticket to join us in Riyadh on March 4th through 7th, 2024. are good evening mr bassett how are you this evening not bad not bad at all so this is another edition of dear people of earth we're doing a special edition this evening um got a lot of things happening with the schumer amendment and steve has obviously been quite deep in this for a little while um i'm just going to kind of let you talk a little bit because i think it's more important that you get uh your words out there this evening um i'm going to make sure that i have my chat overlay working um and then we'll 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 work from there. So if you want to give him like a just a little little uh, rundown of Paradigm Research Group and all that good stuff, I'm just going to let you do your thing, Steve. So uh, go right okay. ahead. All right. Um, and I've got. Uh, hang on a second. I got a little too much here. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this up a little bit. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go with that right there. Okay. I'll be good. Um, I'm, I'm Steve Bassett, Paradigm Research Group. Uh, I'm a disclosure advocate, political activist, and um, my issue for 26 years has been to assist my fine government in doing the right thing after almost seven, dec three, seven decades and confirm the extraterrestrial presence to the American people and by extension the world. This confirmation event I came to call Disclosure, capital D, not small d, capital D, and it's an event. Uh, it would be the President of the United States doing it, almost certainly in person, not not in writing or, or something like that. Uh, it would be in probably in front of the press, and he'd come out, he'd, he'd say, look, we're not alone. Uh, that, that's been the goal for 26 years, and a lot of other people have had a similar goal. I didn't think it would take this long, uh, but a lot of things have happened in the last 26 years that have made it more difficult to put this issue front and center. Uh, and it's a major issue. Uh, and so when you're talking about something of this magnitude, the activism, it takes a while. And this is true of every major issue uh, of our of recent time, certainly, uh, the tw entire 20th century. So we're getting close to finally achieving this goal. Uh, we're getting close to this confirmation event. Not surprisingly, as we got closer, it got more and more complicated. And uh, now it's very interesting. Uh, and, but nevertheless, uh, I can see pretty much the end of the tunnel. Uh, I think we're going to be out of it pretty soon. So uh, as, as the executive director of Paradigm Research Group, that's been my work for 26 years. So obviously we have a major situation going on right now with the Schumer Amendment being or attempted to be blocked. I have been working all day. Um, talking to people behind the scenes, trying to ascertain what's exactly going on. And uh, the last that I had heard, we were at about a 50-50 shot of this occurring. Uh, it feels like it might be a little better than that now. 
um, but certainly we're not out of the woods yet. Um, what have you heard on your end, if anything? I've heard a lot. Uh, I work closely with Dan Danny Sheehan, the, the legendary uh, justice act advocate, civil rights uh, advocate, uh, and now the, the, the chairman of the, the New Paradigm Institute, which is now fully underway with an office in Washington, D.C. And my understanding is this. There's two things happening. Uh, one is, not surprisingly, there's a big concern about eminent domain, uh, which was deliberately and very overtly put into the bill by majority leader Chuck Schumer, which was unexpected, uh, uh, but he stepped in. Uh, this, this, this particular maneuver or this particular action by Schumer probably was forced by the uh, coming forward of David Grush. I don't think if David Grush comes forward, Schumer has to do this because uh, it is clearly uh, creating a bit of a, a, a kerfuffle. But Grush came forward and said, we have non-human tech and non-human bodies. He then repeated it under oath. Uh, he hasn't been refuted. I mean, there have been a couple of statements from people sort of trying to soften it a little bit, uh, some pushback against Grush. They, they released some medical files, though who knows who did that. But the fact is, is that Grush's statement completely stands. And um, uh, so in that sense, the, the, uh, the idea that we have non-human tech, which is, as far as I'm concerned, extraterrestrial, but we can mince words, but non-human tech and non-human bodies confirms Roswell. And that confirms the fact that the U.S. government has known about this issue uh, in great detail and has been studying it for 76 years. All right. I mean, that, that, that's basically confirmed, but not officially. All right. So Schumer comes forward with the eminent domain language. Uh, and for those that haven't been paying too close attention, we're referring to the, believe it or not, this is what it's called, the Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena Disclosure Act, UAP Disclosure Act. And they didn't have to use that word. Believe me, there's a lot of ways they could have named this. But they said disclosure. And that was their way, uh, uh, and I appreciate it, their way of saying, we, we, we're paying attention. We know what's going on out there. We know what you're saying and doing and trying to accomplish. We, we, we're with you, right? We want it too now. But it's a big deal uh, with huge implications. And so consequently, we're going to need to do it in an appropriate way, uh, which is what this legislation is all about. Uh, and the this is the fourth uh, legislation uh, uh, that has been submitted. Three have been passed. Uh, all were in the National De uh, Defense Authorization Act, 2022, 2021, 2021, 2022, 2023. This is the 2024 Act. This is a major bill, the, the, the NDAA authorization, which how, how, how the Department of Defense is going to operate its money and all that. And so it's, it's not some trivial thing. It's in a major bill, right? Which technically, it, unless you remove it, you can't pass the bill. I mean, this is serious stuff. And so... Right. Schumer Amendment actually is the same thing as the Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena Disclosure Act. And that is what's under some pressure right now. And uh, I have right. talking about this bill uh, and, uh, uh, and what its prospects are. But here's what I know, or what I have a pretty good source from, and that's Danny, that Schumer raised the issue of eminent domain, and they don't want, they want, they want more control. How can I put it? 
they don't want the defense contractors to have this taken away from them, which is another way of saying that they want the defense contractors to make, be able to make money from this, be able to use the intellectual rights, patents, whatever, make lots of money, potentially vast sums of money. I don't agree. Uh, defense contractors or government defense contractors are paid huge sums of money to quote, handle uh, the technological technology and, and development and, and, and building of, uh, of systems for the United States government. Uh, they work, they work in the submarines, they work in the, 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 the fighter jets, you name it. And they're paid a lot of money for that. Do they own the nuclear submarines? Do they own the fighter jets? Right now, is it possible that they were able to patent some clever thing or some, some, some process that they developed in service to the government contract? That's possible. All right. Fair enough. But this isn't a project given to these contractors by the United States government. In a, well, actually, that's not quite true. The Okay, it's, it's, it, it, it is in a gray area, but essentially, almost in every case, these contractors got the technology, got the crash vehicles from us, and they're told, study it, re-engineer them, and what have you. And so, okay. But the idea that they're going to have all rights to these things, uh, given that this is non-human technology from elsewhere, involved in an issue of this magnitude, and the technology could be profound, boy, the idea that, oh, yeah, you, you, you can, you got it, do what you want, that, that, that's not comfortable for me. And I am pretty sure the vast majority of American people are not going to be comfortable with this. And so... Well, let me let me put let me jump in here. Yeah. Not only that, but they've had it for a long time, Steve. It's oh, yeah, not it like years. this is something right. So yeah. We keep we, eating the pie. True. It, but it's also the case that it, say say they say they did something 50 years ago. Uh, if we we're talking about a company that's been around for that long and they, 50 years ago, they, they did something that was pretty cool and developed something or what have you. Uh, they've been sitting on it all these years. In other words, they haven't been able to take advantage of it. But that really is beside the point. Um, so here is my thinking. One, if they, and, and the way they're going to do, they're not going to strip the, domain. that's not, it's just not a matter of stripping the domain, uh, eminent domain section of the bill out. They're going to have to write a whole new elaborate set of language that sort of explains why this can be held and that can't be taken and whatever. It's going to be convoluted, to say the least. Uh, and it's going to scream special interest, right? Uh, and generally, the public don't like it. Okay, now, the fact is, is that, one, they could pass this bill and, and modify it that way. But at any time, the Congress can come back and strip that language out and, and go full eminent domain. So in that sense... Uh, assuming the, the will of the people gets expressed, uh, it's not a tragedy if they come up with this convoluted way to make sure these these uh, government contractors can make more money. Uh, that's one point. Uh, and the second point is that if the eminent domain wording in there, which is quite strong and quite clear, uh, stays in, that doesn't mean that these contractors can't achieve great benefit from this technology that they'd helped develop. Why? Because, all right, the government has eminent domain. That means that it belongs to us. But that also means that if the government wants to do a joint venture project 
or provide uh, something to these companies from this technology with the idea of, look, why don't you develop this? Uh, it can do that and they could make money. But when the government does, when it's done that way uh, and the government is coming to them and, and working out a deal where they can participate in this technology, it is the government's job. And I, I say this with you know uh, my tongue in cheek, it is the government job that this will be done in service to the American people, not to the shareholders of this contractor or that contractor. And so what it means is it'll be a more reasonable situation where the American people will benefit, the contractors will benefit. And that's the way it should be. And I don't think that's being explained. The people that are doing the hardline case for this are not mentioning that just because we have eminent domain doesn't mean that arrangements can't be and deals can't be struck where these contractors could benefit greatly from their work above and beyond all that they were paid by the government to do the work in the first place. And so I support keeping that eminent domain. I think that McConnell is making a huge mistake here. Uh, there's going to be a lot of pushback. Now, the other thing is going on is more complicated. Um, there is resistance and it may be coming from McConnell regarding the presidential uh, review board, the unacknowledged anomaly uh, review board, unexplained anomaly review board, which is cool, another great name. Uh, and this is a nine person panel. There's two sections devoted to it, uh, what it does, how it's created, what its limitations are, what its you know abilities are, what its oversight is. These are huge uh, uh, sections. And by the way, I have the bill up on my computer right now, and I'm going to be referring to it very soon. Um, and I sent you a link uh, that uh, if you're happy, you can put it up on the screen if you want to. Um, yep, I have so there's a little I'm not happy about that. And I don't know the rationale, right? But I think one of the rationales is it creates another layer of bureaucracy. Uh, you know, well, yeah, uh, of course, how many layers of bureaucracy are, stand right now between us and the most deeply classified uh, issues and material and, and tech on this? Uh, but this particular layer of bureaucracy is part of the uh, controlled disclosure process, which is discussed in the bill. Uh, and at one, at one point, and I'll get into this later, th th this, uh, this review board will have an important role to play, including oversight. Uh, and the idea, and by the way, the bill does talk spe uh, specifically about oversight from a number of committees in Congress. In other words, they really are uh, codifying quite a bit of oversight. And by the way, one of the principal problems with this issue from the beginning is the lack of oversight in Congress. Uh, and so it's not just the Presidential Review Board that it, it, it is involved here. But there, so, so it, the idea that the, the, the Congress, various congressional committees will have oversight, but the, the, the White House, no, on a matter like this. And so what's really going on, I think, is that they know that if you pass that bill as is and the Presidential Review Board is now uh, uh, codified, you have just drawn the White House into the issue. And that just makes it even right. more difficult to back out of this. There's just no going back at that point, right? The White House is now involved in a formal way. And the White House has been doing everything it can to stay out of this. But at some point, obviously, it has to get into it. Now, the ultimate engagement of this issue by the White House is when the president walks out in the East, the East Room of the White House and tells a bunch of reporters that based on what he has been watching in the congressional hearings at the Senate, that which are coming, I hope, 
uh, and after discussions with his people, yeah, we're not alone. We, we have non-human tech and non-human engagement here. Uh, and that's a big deal. Right. And so, uh, so that's one of their problems. They, they, they would prefer that not be in there. So that's an issue. And then it gets even more complicated because what's going on, I believe, is that the way McConnell is leveraging his, quote, internal lobbying of the Senate, right, of the Senate members, uh, he is influencing the House, uh, undoubtedly via Mark, Mark, Mike Johnson and perhaps others, influencing the House to consider not voting for the bill, not passing it. So basically what he's trying to do is use the idea of the House not voting for this NDAA as leverage to convince the members of the Senate that they need to right. uh, make these changes. It's politics. Uh, it's not unusual at all. But on this time, you're not dealing with some obscure bill. You're, you're dealing with what is possibly the most significant legislation in the history of any legislative body going back to, uh, you know, the flood. And so he's in treacherous mm -hmm. territory. Okay. And so that's, that's my interpretation of what's going on and what's going to be worked out over the coming weeks. Now, uh, as it happens, the, the counter forces, the activism on this issue is mature now. And so there is a great deal underway to quote, engage the issue. Uh, the new paradigm Institute, uh, which is now funded and led by Danny Sheehan, has already put out a major press release. They're they're marshalling a, a number of activist organizations and their list. And so the, the the details about this are going out all over the United States into activist organizations. I'm doing my part. I've got quite a bit out, uh, and and, uh, and and helping people to to get messages into their their to the Congress. And by that I mean the the four key committees: Intel and Armed Services. Right. And, uh, and and Twitter is a, a fire. Uh, Twitter is uh, is slowly uh, catching on fire. And right now, if you go to Twitter, uh, UAP Disclosure Act is trending. Uh, and we'll see how it well, much it trends. So that's kind of the situation at this point, Steve. What about, you know, we're talking about the language in this in this overall um, mm -hmm. amendment and one of the things that I found really exciting about this and, and should it pass is the caveat that anything, I think it's 25 years old. Could you correct me on that? It's 25 years past um, should be basically released to the public as far as the, you know, whether we're hiding, whether we're, I, that would certainly, I would believe that would certainly include Roswell all the way. Um, uh, let, me read the, let me read Let me read this section where that, that is stated. Each unidentified anomalous phenomena record now, again, we're talking records. We're not talking technology. Right. Shall be publicly disclosed in full and available in the collection, right? No later than the date that is 25 years after the date of first creation of the record by the originating body, unless the president certifies as required by this division. Now, let's, let's look at that. Not later than the date that is 25 years after the date of first creation. So technically, that covers every document prior to 1998. Now, let's be clear. That, if in fact those documents um, 
uh, are disclosed quickly. And by implication here, it appears that these, again, it's not clear if these, it means that these documents immediately go into the control disclosure process. In other words, immediately they're starting to shove them in, but they still have to go through a couple of uh, vetting processes and some may be uh, postponed, which is also part of the act. Or does it mean, okay, wait a minute. Let, hold on, there's, a, there's a subtitle to this. Continued postponement. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, 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 okay. I didn't read it all. Yeah, this solves the problem. Okay. Uh, 25 years after the date of first creation of the record by the originating body, unless the president certifies as required by this division that continued postponement is made necessary by an identifiable harm to the military and defense. So what it's saying is that everything 25 years uh, ago and backwards theoretically could go right into the system and start getting uh, uh, run through and could very quickly end up in the National Archives and be made public. Uh, but uh, at, like everything else, uh, if there is a national security aspect to it, they can be postponed. Now, people say, oh, well, there you go. Yeah, we'll, we'll never see it. No, that's not what they're saying. Uh, in fact, elsewhere in the bill, they actually describe what is involved with postponement. Uh, I mean, this is the detail that they go into. And with respect to postponement of any record or information, the appropriate authorities, appropriate uh, oversight authorities, have to be provided a summary, a non-classified summary of what it is, right? Uh, and... Uh, that and, and this decision has to be periodically reviewed. And more importantly, uh, in this bill, it makes it clear that uh, a very uh, uh, a certain uh, uh, key people, committee chairs and other members of certain committees and, 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 and others, are by this legislation granted the absolute full security level clearance as well as special access clearance to everything the government has, period on this subject. In other words, there's no longer an unacknowledged special access program. They have, th 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 these oversight people actually go, go right into it, look at it. Th and they can't be blocked because they don't have the clearance. In other words, they basically have finally brought the oversight under law to the UAP issue by giving the power and the classification levels necessary for those assigned to assess that oversight go anywhere, see anything, go in any base, go as many levels underground that it goes. That's in the bill as well. And so by and large, this 25 year thing is important, uh, but it doesn't mean that it's just gonna be a river of information without review and nothing will be postponed. However, I, I can assure you that if the bulk of the files and documents prior to 1998 are released in a, in a, in a, in a short time, Disclosure is, is Game over. going to be acknowledged worldwide. And so the president and the, and the Intel committee, they can't take the position. Let's let's see what happens when thousands and hundreds of thousands of documents are released. That's a mistake, because the more that comes out confirming the extraterrestrial presence, the more awkward it is and the more irritated people will be that the president just doesn't get it done and come forward and acknowledge it, which means we have to have the hearings in the Senate first. So. This is the dynamic, and there's a lot of things in this bill that if you interpret them correctly, really point to an early 
very soon action on the part of the Senate and the president, not a delayed action. But that is based right. upon interpretation. Others might see it differently. So I talked to you about uh, a little earlier. We have a mutual friend. He had a question that he wanted me to ask you. Mm -hmm. um, so what motivations could possibly be at play where some members of Congress are actively trying to quash any transparency into this topic? What are they so afraid of if they don't think these things are not real? One would think that they would be overjoyed to support legislation demanding transparency to prove their point. However, I think we all know the real reason. Again, language is important. Are they trying to quash any transparency? No, absolutely not. They're, they they are focusing on a couple of things. Uh, and there's a massive amount of transparency built into this bill that is not under attack. So no, no. I, I, let me let me state, state something this way. Look, after 76 years of lies, misrepresentation, undermining the issue, you know, demeaning people, demeaning and all of it, and it's all not pleasant. Government does a lot of things which aren't pleasant. After 76 years of this, people are, are, are angry, distrustful. I get it. Pessimistic. Um, what can I say? You're winning, right? You're, you're winning. Uh, the analogy I like to use is not, not long before the Civil Rights Bill was passed in 64. Uh, George Wallace, the governor of Alabama, went uh, and gave a speech. And again, a speech to the, you know, and it was, it was, it was, uh, it was filmed and it, you can find it in the archives and toward the end of the speech, maybe the very end of the speech, he says, segregation now, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. And shortly after that, they passed the civil rights bill ending segregation. And so look, yeah, it has been, you know, a policy of the government. They pursued it aggressively for a long time, but all things come to an end, including the truth embargo. And so we're winning. It's coming to an end. And so I invite people to put away to, to just put away to the side their frustrations, their anger, their distrust and so forth. And just watch the process, engage it if, if needed. This is an example of that because they are messing around with the bill. But don't jump on every phrase or every word and, and, and have that and then jump on that uh, as confirming your longstanding frustrations and irritation. Uh, you, 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 you may get in the way of actually being able to appreciate the fact that your desires to have the truth on this are actually finally being served by your own government. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, this, I've been in this a long time. I'm thrilled by this. I'm happy by this. This is exactly the way I pretty much expected it to go. Uh, it, it, it's complex. It's going to require a lot of legislation, structure, and preparation. But, and another thing that might help people, uh, to not get too overwrought about a certain language. And that is something that I've stated repeatedly in podcast after podcast. I just can't, I, I wish I could get on and say the same thing on some major networks, but they're not calling. And that is this. And it, it seems so simple. The United States government has known about the ET presence for 76 years or longer, but at least 76 years. All right. They've known about it. They've studied it, investigated, re-engineered tech, They've been up to their ears. They've spent huge sums of money on this issue for 76 years. And so if that is true, what's going on? Why all this stuff happening? All right. Those who think that the government recently learned that there's something 
unknown up there that may be an issue and we need to find out what it is and that's what this is about are going to be deeply confused it is not about that at all it has nothing to do with trying to understand this phenomena as it stands this is all about setting up the, the very important and necessary legislation now three three years and a fourth year of legislation setting up the right department with the right mandates and mission statement that's arrow after several iterations of that briefing many members of congress right um and uh, also giving other parts of the government a chance to sort of show the flag like the nasa which has not been able to touch this issue ever uh it could set up a set up yeah. a group to study fine does nasa need to study no would they uh, uh, but still all of that is done not to really get to disclosure, though it, it certainly, it, 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 well, actually, that's not true. It is done to get to disclosure, no question. And there is an aspect of it. But its principal uh, 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 job is to get ready for post-disclosure. So everything that's being done, all the legislation, it absolutely goes into full operation one second after the president confirms the extraterrestrial presence and we're in the post-disclosure world. At that point, everything is going to be needed. There won't be any reticence at all. We need the legislation to deal with the transfer of information. It's going to go on for years. We need a number of things clarified. We needed a, 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 a very important office. The arrow is what it's going to be. Uh, it'll be heavily funded, heavily staffed, and it has a big job to do in the post-disclosure. It needs to be ready to go, right? And so this is about getting ready for the post-disclosure world that they know is coming very soon. Once you see it that way, it's a little it's a little harder to to get upset because of some wording. Because in other words, they're doing all of this because they're about to disclose, not in some way because they're about to postpone disclosure. All right, uh, and. That's why I'm pretty comfortable with what's going on. And I'm just trying to ease people's mind here. We're winning. We're about to win. Uh, now, we're, the, the process is still subject to dramatic events in the world. And God knows the world serves those up on a regular basis. Yeah. My, my, my next question, my follow-up to that would be, what if this doesn't pass? You've, I've heard. So obviously we talk to people in the background, but I've, I've the term catastrophic disclosure has come up. Bogus um, term. Bogus term. Don't I don't know, know who came up means. with it. It's just a dumb, useless term. All right. I think they were. I think what they were referring to. I think. In fact, I think it's confusing. But I think one implication of that term is that disclosure will be catastrophic. All right. No matter how it's done, and there'll be ontological shock, and we'll all, you know, go crazy. That is that's a piece of nonsense that's been uh, in the propaganda from the government for 70 years. The other implication is that there's a, a, a way to go about disclosure that that's uh, very helpful and right. And there's a way to do it badly. Right. So, in other words, they could screw it up. But just because they get it a little wrong, that's not catastrophic. That just means it's it, it's not quite on the mark. It may have some issues, but catastrophic. Absolutely not. The way it may refer uh and what it, it really probably does mean or should mean is that disclosure in and of itself is catastrophic to who 
not to us, to the government. Because disclosure is going to, we're going to enter a period that's going to last for a while in which the United States government is going to have to answer some of the toughest questions it has ever been asked. And it's not going to be in a position to say, screw you. It's going to have to answer these questions. It's going to have to be truthful. And the answers to these questions is going to be really, really, uh, how would you say, uh, uh, tough. Tough. Uh, and 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 so the one the third reason for all that we've seen happening. Remember, the two reasons are one to get to the place where the president can disclose, but also have everything set up when he does disclose. And the third reason for all of this is that as opposed to uh, Xi Jinping doing it and, and us just sitting there right. and like, oh, my God, and, and having to answer those same questions, right? Only no good. It, it's Xi Jinping that just finally ended the truth embargo. It is it, by going through all of this effort and, a lo- and doing everything they're supposed to do when, it, when, it, when we finally have to acknowledge that yeah, we've known all along, we've had tech all along, people will be more generous. They'll be like, oh, yeah, you finally did the right thing. You set it all up. You're responsible. Looks good. You've got a basis to get information to you. Let's just move forward together and not look backward. Now, the Gen Zs and the Millennials are already going to do that. They could care less. They're already there. Or anything else. But there's a, lot of, there. yeah, there's a lot of Gen X and a lot of baby boomers and the people that have studied the issue and know it well, that are, they're going to be, you know, wanting to point out, look what you did. And this is wrong and never do it again. So it's a public relations maneuver. And it's, and it's a good one. Uh, and it'll probably work. So uh, catastrophic disclosure, I don't, I don't think it's a, any consequence unless it's viewed in that that way. Meaning there are some people in there that think, for as far as we're concerned, the government's concerned. Yeah, any disclosure is catastrophic because I'm going to have in to go deep. Out and answer some questions. <laughs> so my friend Juan, a very good friend of mine, has asked a question, and maybe you know about this. Is there a twenty twenty um, a twenty yeah, 27 disclosures event or something. Um, can you expand upon that? Do you know no. about what I'm talking about? Not complicated. Uh, as everything heats up, you know what happens when you heat up water? It starts boiling. Bubbles. I mean, first bubbles are coming up from all over, right? To the surface. Lots of them. Well, this issue is heating up. And a lot of things are coming forward. A lot of people are stepping forward, and that's fine. And in Twitter... Pretty mix makes it possible to pick up on any one of these bubbles. One of the bubbles came from John Ramirez, who has a career, had a career in CIA, has his contacts. And John put forward that based on something he'd been told, that 2027 is a big year. And he's it's not clear. It seems to me from the wording he was implying open contact in 27, not uh, disclosure. Right. And. All I can say to that is that fits very well into my thinking on this. I have always felt it's like a powerful hunch that comes primarily from just getting having a pretty good understanding of the broad picture and the history. Not a super detail. That's not my role. But to have a when you when you have an understanding of the, the, the broader picture, it just takes you to the same place, at least for me. And that is, is that all of this is not accidental or hyperstance. Hyperstance? Happenstance. Um, <laughs> we'll go with that. There is sure. a, there's a reason for it. And, and some of that is actually based on the extraterrestrials' intentions. Uh, 
and it's leading somewhere. Now, obviously, it's leading to disclosure. But what about afterwards? I think it's leading to open contact. I think that has been the game all along. Ultimately, it leads to open contact. That is when the ETs are in direct contact with our governments openly. All right. We know they're in direct contact with private citizens on their terms. Uh, it's possible they've had direct contact with the governments, a government or governments, uh, for whatever reason. And if that question gets a yes, then that's definitely going to have some PR issues without question. Uh, mm -hmm. Very, very sensitive, big deal. Uh, uh, or so it may have already happened, but it hasn't been open. Open contact will mean that there's going to be communication going on between one or more of the extraterrestrial species, races, whatever, and authorities on the planet Earth. Which ones? I don't know. But it'll be open in the sense that that communication is going to be pretty much conveyed to the to the world's people. In other words, the ET said this, we said that, and back and forth. Does it mean they're gonna they're gonna end up on 60 Minutes being interviewed on camera? I I don't know. Could technically it's possible, but it doesn't have to be. And so now we are finally in a open dialogue, communication, publicly acknowledged with non-human civilizations. That's a pretty big deal. And I think that's where this is going. I, I've always felt it would take about two years at tops because for this open contact to be comfortable, it would be helpful if the world had an opportunity to digest what they're about to find out and an opportunity right. for huge amounts of information to come out from governments, not just ours, so that it fills in the, the spaces and time to watch the docs, read the books and just get up to speed. In which case, open contact will be almost anticlimactic. It'll be like, oh, oh, finally, they're talking to us. Great. Before then, could be a little scary. So I think two years tops. I think it'd even be a year. But 2027 could be early 2027 which would make it, let's see, 24, 24, 25, 20. That would take it a little over three years out. I think that's too long. So I, I, I'm thinking of sooner than that. But if it ends up being 2027 open contact, then essentially uh, I was pretty much on the mark just off off by a bit, uh, off by, uh, by one year, actually. So uh, I'm intrigued by John's statement, and uh, I've talked to him a little bit. But you're going to see some other things coming forward. There, there's a lot of people already now sitting in their in their living room who know a lot that are trying to decide if they want to speak up they want to bring it up whether they want to go to arrow as a witness uh and there's others that know things that are basically they can legally state and they're going to do that uh so it's going to get pretty pretty intense harry and there may be some confusion and there may be some people who want to throw some nonsense into the mix just to get attention that's okay we can live with that but again the water is boiling and the bubbles are starting to rise in greater numbers. What do you think of the of the ten year outline that Colonel Nell uh, outlined at Saul, basically saying, I, "I don't know that it was necessarily a, a definitive thing that he was just thinking in his own brain, or you were there." So I, I don't have the. Unfortunately, I couldn't make this past one. Um, I wasn't there. I wasn't there, but that, I know about it. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were there. Okay. No, I, I but I'm sure you must there. have heard this. I wasn't. It was an invitation only, and I'm just a crazy activist, so they had me there. But, but uh, I think that current the colonel's timeline is not realistic. Uh, it's a a, con, a timeline that would be very comfortable to 
any of those in government that really want to hold this off as long as possible. They're not ready to face it up, so forth. I get it. Uh, but it's not realistic. I, 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 I think there's almost no chance whatsoever that that timeline will, will hold. And what about you talked a little bit about the uh, the eminent domain and, and obviously there's some gray area there with the eminent domain clause. But um, like, for example, I know that um, uh, Gary Nolan uh, has pieces of things in his possession. Could that be something yeah. that would be taken from him under that? You know, yeah, that could be. Eminent so, domain. Let me let me let me again be clear. Eminent domain. What that what that bill is saying is that we have eminent domain capability. And that's what it's saying. We have eminent domain capability. If we wish to assert it, we can. So and it, and that includes all tech bodies and so forth. It didn't I think eminent domain pretty much applies to that. I, I don't I don't the records and the files are already covered in the other parts of the bill. Just because they have it doesn't mean they'll exercise it. So some people are thinking mm. that, oh, uh, they're going to, as soon as they pass the bill, they're going to start sending out teams of people to defense contractors and breaking in the basements and hauling stuff. Out. No, no, not at all. In fact, the bill states that, I think it's still 300 days. I can confirm that. That one, one of the first things that they are requiring and I'm going to go to this bill, just take a second, is that in, in service to this section, okay, let me read it. Okay. Okay, with respect to, uh, okay, hang on a second. Leap is the world's most attended tech event, and it's back in Riyadh on March 4th through 7th, 2024. If you're interested in the development of AI, the future of work, or what's coming next in the metaverse, visit OneGiantLeap.com to register for free and join us. Okay. Actually, that refers to records. In other words, they, they give them, they, first they say, we want to report in a certain number of days after something or another. Uh, they, they, they First, they want you to report what you have. In other words, they're saying, okay, send us a report describing what you have in your possession. That, right. So they can have a file of that. Of course, it'll all be classified and it'll go to the appropriate entities. And then they'll review that. And they may decide that uh, there is something that they want in government hands. And they, they have the right to get it. Not break in and get it. Deliver it to us. Right? UPS it. Whatever's necessary. Uh, again, that's that's what it means. Uh, and so people are, again, overstating, getting overexcited about it. But ultimately, it does mean it belongs to the U.S. government and the U.S. government will decide what to do. I mean, U.S. government could decide, look, your work was so fantastic on this. You did such a great job that we are assigning the rights to, of this to you. They could do that. Now, the American people may not like that. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people in the United States who say that, look, Anything that comes from an extraterrestrial source is not going to be uh, the, the 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 benefits from it are not going to be controlled by the by private corporations. Nothing wrong with capitalism, but we know capitalism does get kind of out of hand now, doesn't it? it it's not sufficiently it regulated. It abuses its uh, the system all the time, 
but this is this is this is they're going to feel that this is the and it's going to it's going to extend beyond the U.S. There's going to be in, uh, there's going to be a, uh, a it's going to be raised uh, in various ways by leaders and others that this technology belongs to the planet to the human race uh, and there's some validity to that. But we are still uh, a, a, a planet of nations, about 200. We, ha we still have sovereignties. And technology that's in one nation is pretty much going to be belonging to that nation. But uh, the idea that it does really, in a sense, belong to the human race may manifest in the sense that it may, it may, it may spurn some of these nations to be much more be generous about how it's going to be developed. In other words, okay, we got some ET tech from another world, and we're we're gonna use it, and we're gonna take it, and we're gonna become even more powerful, and we're gonna dominate the world. Our economy will be the best, and if you you don't have that tech, too bad for you. That would not be good, but it's possible, and so there'll be some some those that are gonna say, look, let's try to let's try to understand that while a nation has a certain sovereignty over the tech that they have. That in terms of using it to benefit, uh, uh, to, to to benefit, let's consider that it, it should be used to benefit everyone, not just the people mm -hmm. of your country. And God knows we don't want it to be used to create new weapons and and add to mm -hmm. the weaponization race. Okay, uh, so exactly what I was going to say. These are advanced issues, uh, which I'm sure the politicians will enjoy uh, chewing over for decades, and that's fine. I, I but. Uh, I, I, I'm hoping that the success of this activist movement has earned us the right to have a lot of say in uh, in how these things kind of unfold. The public needs to be part of this. The public has been shut out of so much for so long. They, their trust is rotted away. This is an opportunity for them to regain that trust. If they don't take advantage of that, there there will be a heavy price to pay. Do you think that we – so we obviously have these reverse engineering programs – some, I believe, are in the United States control, as in, you know, Wright-Patterson or wherever they are. Sure. Um, some are in the control of private organizations, private companies, defense contractors. Right. Um, I, I, I've never heard of one being in control or, or in possession um, specifically of a um, university. I've heard parts, pieces, parts from here and there have gone to university, but I've never heard an actual craft or anything being in no, uh, no, in that University, type of domain. It. No, they're not going to. They're not yeah. going to draw them into this. No, they might hire somebody you, away from a university, but no, 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 no. They, they what do you think it. about the alien intelligence in general? Um, we call it extraterrestrial, NHI. Tons of buzz, buzzwords out there. Um, it's new every other day. Um, what yeah, do we know can about I point that? Point something out, Steve. Can I point something yes. out? Again, because yeah. again, it, 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 it everyone has their own it, it selects what evidence they want to refer to, and if they right. don't like some evidence, they put it over here and then mm -hmm. respond to what's left. I, I I I try to take as I try to take a fairly broad spectrum in play. Right. Uh, I happen to believe contact has actually happened. I feel pretty good about that. Almost, actually, I think it's mm -hmm. absolutely certain. I have right. pretty high confidence that that contact with extraterrestrials in our ancient past has had happened as well. Uh, that doesn't mean that everything on ancient aliens is going to hold out, but I think a lot of it will. So guess what? When you factor that in, the ancient record and the record from various uh, cultures 
that have been examined now in pretty substantial detail, not, not just because of ancient aliens, but because there's a lot of researchers doing the work. In the past, extraterrestrials have told human beings they're from other stars. All right. They've actually told them we're from another star. And let's now get into the contactees. Contactees have reported, the ETs telling them they're from another star. Okay. And so I'm, I'm, I believe in, in, in that uh, if somebody tells you who they are, believe them. And if somebody tells you where they're from, believe them. And so again, uh, I'm, I'm someone that believes they are from another star, not from the future, not from another dimension, not from the inner earth, but from another star. Occam's razor cries out for that to be the explanation. It is the most logical. It is the simplest. The only problem is relativity. And I assure you, there's a whole lot of physics going on in this world right now where they're, they are really trying hard to find the workaround to general relativity as point-to-point -point travel. And I'm pretty sure they're going to find it because the ETs can do it. Now, that's as far as, far as I can go. Uh, the ETs have never you know, told the contactees how they do it. Probably that's probably going a little too far. Or maybe they haven't been asked. But I'm saying that they come from another star system. Uh, and But th the reason we don't want to call them extraterrestrial in, in this process that's underway is, again, it's a matter of keeping things relatively in between some lines so it doesn't cause problems for the people that you're trying to bring into the process. And I get it, right? Language is important. And so... Uh, if if the if uh, members of Congress are more comfortable with non-human technology, no problem. Do I think it's going to be acknowledged as extraterrestrial post-disclosure pretty fast? Yeah. What do you think the overall post-disclosure? Let's let's use that post-disclosure. What's that going to look like to people? Do you think that the average person that is out there? Um, you know, we, we talked about already the, the catastrophic disclosure that, that, you know, you don't think that that's a thing. And I don't necessarily either. But what is the average person, mom, dad, sitting there taking their kids to soccer? Do you think it's going to change a lot of things or do you think it's just going to be a, okay, well, let's move on and uh, let's see what it is? Or, or yeah, I think in the United States, honestly, I think you're going to see a lot more acceptance than maybe some cultures that might not have quite the... I, I don't want to disparage anyone's culture, but no, I, I, I know what I'm, you're saying. I know what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? It's just, right. it seems like maybe there's other cultures around the world that may have a different outlook, or maybe it's going to be a little bit more of a shock. Um, even well, if it the goes phrase slowly. is the average person. Well, you know, that, that, uh, that changes. There, mm -hmm. there is, what is the average person in the United States? What's the average person in China? What's the average person in North Central Africa in the middle of a massive genocide going on? Where people people are being slaughtered and forced to uh, into diasporas uh, with no where to go except out in the desert, so average varies. Uh, right. First of all, the several billion people on this planet who are in great distress, without adequate food, clothing, water, and shelter, uh, under under. Uh, and under attack uh, from forces either within their country or outside their country, the victims of all manner of abuse. These people are, are not going to be getting 
overwrought or much into the issue of the, the confirmed ET presence. They're going to they're going to try to get to stay alive, 24 hours at a time. So that's that group. Now, in more developed countries, uh, people still have to make a living. They still have to pay the bills, and so they're going to do that. And they are going to acknowledge and note to themselves that boy, this is a big deal. They're going to watch a lot of TV, but their life isn't going to change much initially at all and the amount and 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 a limited number of people will just suddenly just put everything down and plunge into this issue in some way kind of like with crypto when crypto hit right. there were certain people that got it they they simply dropped everything else in their life and dived in early and made a fortune me i was right. going yeah this is ridiculous this is i have no time for this and eh, what can i say uh but this is <laughs> a, a million times more important than crypto but so really the, the, here is the metaphor that I like to use, which I think is it, it, it's a nice one, and I'm I'm very fond of it. Actually, I'm quite proud of this metaphor. Uh, here's the way to describe the impact of disclosure on the world. Uh, imagine a perfectly smooth, clear pond. All right, and you've seen this many times, usually in slow motion. That's fine. And someone takes a pebble and they drop it from a couple of feet into the water and you just see it come in. And when it hits the water, it creates waves that immediately that start out large. And as they move away in all directions from the impact, they get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Everybody understands that. Everybody gets it. We know the physics, no problem. Disclosure will be the reverse of that. So in this case, the pebble is disclosure. And when you drop it in the water, contrary to physics, what starts out from the impact are not the biggest waves, but very small. Very small waves right. start moving out in all directions. But as they get further and further from the impact point, they get larger and larger and larger and larger. That is what disclosure will be like. It, it's obviously not the way physics works. But I think it's the way this paradigm shift is going to work. So what am I talking about here? I'm saying that the day after disclosure, the world's not gonna change much because a bunch of reporters rush down to the, uh, the White House briefing room and cram in there until there's no, no place to sit. That's not, that's in a, on a, from a global perspective, that's not much change. So it's gonna be pretty much the same thing the next day. Everybody's life is gonna be different. It, it be, I mean, basically the same. They might be watching television more. All right, fine. But then as time goes by, the impact of this paradigm shift will start to show up and amplify across a vast spectrum of, of, uh, of issues uh, and circumstances that the world is in. And as you go out further and further, it gets larger and larger so that the change that this paradigm shift could generate four or five years out could be huge. It could be just beyond uh, the imagination of except the, the top science fiction writers. Uh, so Talking about technologically speaking. Yeah, that's a good thing uh, yeah. because it gives us, it's, there'll be time as we, as we deal with this to, to, to adjust and adjust as these changes take place and also time to, to affect. It's not, it's not passive. The change is going to be very much dependent upon what people do, how they think, 
how they react, how governments react. Uh, and so if we react well and constructively, uh, the, the, we're going to get large positive change. If we if we don't, we're going to get negative change. So but we'll have some time to at least make some decisions. So that's how I think it's going to happen. And so uh, now the list of things that might be affected, eh, what, it may be what, 100,000, 200,000 items on that list? I mean, what can you do? Whole departments will be created in, in universities, finally, to discuss the post-disclosure and deal with the post-disclosure world. There'll be a, you know, every exo, every political science department will have a have a, 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 a an exopolitical science division, or maybe there'll be a whole department of exopolitical science, exo science. All of that stuff will start happening. Think tanks will be sprout, sprouting up like like uh, weeds in the in the, in the spring. Uh, no, that's a bad 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 metaphor. They're going to be they're going to be uh, occurring in great numbers. There's already a few being put mm -hmm. together. Seoul is a think tank. New Paradigm Institute is a think tank. PRG will soon be a little tiny think tank, nonprofit. Haven't done it yet, but I'll do it. Uh, and so there's going to be this massive engagement of the post-disclosure world uh, that will be part of this change that's going to take place. Now, open contact in two years, say two or three years, even that will be similar. The fact that we're talking to extraterrestrials, what is that? Does that change your job? Does that change the relationships you have? Uh, does it change the currency? What? It just means that we, we, we're we now getting information and talking to more advanced species. Now, what could come from those conversations could be enormous, particularly if for some if, if it comes to pass that that direct contact with extraterrestrials leads to some technology. And by that, well, and it may already have. I mean, and maybe there's been agreements. We've gotten technology from it, uh, from ETs. I hope not. Uh, but uh, that technology could be transformative. The world right now is in distress. And by the world, I mean the human race. And the human race is in so much distress and so much of an issue that actually major portions of the biosphere itself are under duress from us. Okay. Now, believe me, in the long run, what does that mean? It doesn't mean much. Uh, the planet has gone through unbelievable stress in the past. Massive warming, flooding, huge ice ages, impacts by meteors and so forth. Untold millions of species have come and gone. And so the idea that, oh, having a little stress is like new. It's not new at all. What's new is that this kind of stress has never happened. I'm pretty sure there's speculation that it, it, it's not the case, but I'm, I'm, I'm more comfortable with this. I'm pretty sure that this is the first time this kind of stress is taking place while there is a vast civilization of sentient beings here. All right. In other words, the di dinosaurs went through some serious stress and disappeared. Ah, whatever. You know, dinosaurs, and they're too big, too heavy. They make a mess. Can you imagine walking a dinosaur in one of those cities where you have to clean up the poop? Not good. I'd okay. like to try. Yeah. <laughs> you, you attract a lot of attention. But, but since. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> Sentient life at, at the level we're at is pretty unusual, pretty rare. And I, and I think that that it's important that it not be obliterated by the next major geological change or by changes that the, the very presence of too many people has on the planet. So we're going through a stressful period. We need to we need to fix it, uh, assuming we care about damage to the environment while we're alive. 
or we care about the suffering of hundreds of millions of people. And we generally do. If we care, then we have to fix this. Now, the interesting thing about that is that if you just take off any biases, scientific biases or political biases, and just put them aside for a second, I don't think there's any problem we are facing right now we can't fix. Every one of them has a, a relatively well-defined fix. We just won't mm -hmm. do it. We just won't do it. Okay. Right. It's like, can a teenager clean up their room? Yeah, they can do it, but they don't, they won't. They don't have the not will. Gonna do it. They're not going to do it. Okay. And so that's, so, so in other words, what, what is really necessary is simply, can we develop a worldview change that, that, that incorporates, let, let's fix this stuff. Now, it's also the case that some of these fixes I'm referring to would require some technology we currently don't have and we might eventually have, but the ETs already have. And so open contact could, could lead to, in addition to all the other reforms and fixes that we're, we're putting together, just based upon what we got, may provide some tech that solve a couple of other problems that we can't solve yet, but with that tech, we can. And so the result is, in a post-open contact era, if we get technology uh, in exchange for whatever, or just get it, you know, you know, just to be nice, uh, we can really fix almost every problem we have on this planet. Will that create paradise? No. Will it will at least create a, a much less stressful civilization where people don't suffer so much? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Will it will it help protect the biosphere? Oh yeah. What can I say? So uh, if I'm right, the only thing standing between us and a way, a very much different and and how would you say um, pleasant world yeah. is disclosure. No, the, the Senate and tell hearing disclosure by the president. Uh, uh, a couple of years of, of getting uh, up to speed on the issue, open contact, a lot of reform projects that now uh, get traction because people are thinking differently. A lot of fixes actually being done. Reform as in, you, you're talking about reform as in um, these environmental concerns that you're oh, talking everything, about? Oh, okay. everything, everything. We need everything. political reform, geopolitical reform. We need form, reform of how we handle our science. We need education reform, monetary reform, and we, we, there's almost nothing we, we don't need to reform right now. Right, uh, I and, would agree. And then there are actual physical things that need to be fixed that require technology. Like, how do you clean up the the uh, the pollution, the, the plastic pollution in the oceans of the world? Uh, there's some people out there that are picking some stuff up with some ships and getting a lot of attention. God bless them. Uh, they estimate that they could do it in 25 years. Uh, I'm thinking maybe more like 125 years, but, mm -hmm. you know, at least they're trying. Uh, we're generating plastic a hell of a lot faster than they could possibly clean it up. And so ultimately, right. unless there is a technological option we're going to eventually, at some point, you're going to be able to walk all the way from California to Japan without getting wet. You'll just walk across the trash. So we 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 got that's the kind of physical fix that uh, some some maybe different technology would 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 help, and that may be there. And so we're we're not talking about a large framework of time. We could have a profoundly different world in four or five years. But first, we have to get disclosure. 
because we have we're not going to change the world at that level without a worldview change of, of great magnitude and we don't quite have the tech to do a lot of these problems but that may come from open contact with ets this isn't a science fiction novel i'm writing here it's not it's not good enough to be a science fiction novel it's kind of boring in some ways what, what what's important is that it's all logical it follows from basic understanding of what is happening what we know it follows logically and so therefore it's not sci-fi it's just a matter of uh, of uh, connecting some dots and doing the right thing if for some reason this the schumer amendment doesn't make it for example could this cat ever be put back in the bag do you think it's just too much oh, oh too no late? absolutely oh the cat the cat's out of the bag what will happen is if they take is the cat's going to scratch the hell out of the, the members of congress right they're going to all have cat scratch fever uh this this will if they if they cancel that amendment this will probably do more to galvanize a a worldwide activist movement on this issue than anything to date it will make my job unbelievably easy <laughs> right and uh because uh, this is a nonpartisan issue that affects every person on the planet. Uh, and so consequently, there's nobody of any religion or uh, virtually of any religion, any nationality, any race or any political persuasion that can't and won't be irritated by that. And so the criticism, the shade is going to descend on them like a blizzard. And it's going to drive them nuts. Uh, so they, they pull this amendment and all hell is going to break loose. It's that simple. There are, um, I, I know you mentioned you brought up religion and in some of the, some of the back channels that I was listening to, um, between email threads and just having some discussions, I heard that there were religious, I'm sorry, religious concerns. Um, and that some of the members that were, um, looking to kind of block this thing had those concerns. Those were legitimate, you know, and, and I don't want to discount world religions or anybody's religion no, no, in any not. way. Mm -hmm. um, it's not my thing, but whatever. Um, it, it is something that you, I believe, you know, as a nation, as a people, um, you have a right to, to think whatever you want for your religion and, and sure. practice however you want. Mm -hmm. But I've understood that that was a part of it, um, that there was a concern about that aspect. And do you think that that's an unwarranted concern or do you think that that's something that is warranted? Do you, I, I just, I mean, if you listen to the, what the Vatican says, the Vatican says that extraterrestrial life is not incompatible with a, with a God. It's not incompatible with our God in, in, in that respect. It's not a concern for me. Look, if somebody has a religious issue with it and it's a concern for them, that's fine. It's okay to be concerned. What is important is what is the overview of this? And quite simply, uh, there are thousands of religions in this world and a number of major religions. And if you, if you just do a reasonable, fair analysis of these religions, the only segment of the religious population or the religious believers in this world that are likely to be uh, measurably discombobulated are the hyper or very strong fundamentalists. Now, you can be a fundamentalist in any religion, but some religions just don't lend itself to that. Um, 
but the vast majority of the people that are religious in this world are going to be fine with it. The vast majority. Uh, uh, and there'll be a small portion that will be disturbed. And generally, it's going to be the fundamentalist zone. Um, uh, so, and that's, that's it. I mean, the idea that there's going to be some people out of 8 billion that are going to have a religious problem with this issue is hardly shocking. But how many? Are we talking a billion? Nah. Maybe a million, which is what? One eight thousandth of the population? Uh, it's like the entire Asian religions, all of them, are going to have no problem with this. The Catholics have already, the Catholics, at least the Catholic leadership is on board. The Muslim faith, which is almost equal to the Catholic faith, faith is under enormous stress now. But it's primarily political stress. It's not worldview stress. The Muslim faith per se doesn't have significant objection to the idea of this. It's, it's, it's actually, there's actually allusions to it in their faith. And the, the famous jinn, J-I-N-N, that is part of their, their, their culture. But they don't have a, a built-in significant bias to this. Um, there are a few fundamentalist Christians that that have a bias to a lot of things, and they're constantly brought up. Uh, and it's not really fair to them, and it's not, and it's totally misleading. Right? Look, if, if, if fundamentalist Christians are going to be upset by disclosure, that's uh, that's legitimate, and it should be acknowledged. Okay? This is upsetting you. You understand? Uh, and can we help? I mean, what, is there anything we can do to mitigate your upset? But ultimately, they'll have to deal with it as they deal with it. But constantly bringing them up as a reason why disclosure can't happen is really insulting to them because it's not the case. Fundamentalist religion, Christians are not going to stop the disclosure process. Now, it is when you there are some instances where these two things have come together in ways that are notable. Luis Elizondo referred to it. There are, uh, there's a cadre of fundamentalist Christians within the military community, uh, including in the Pentagon. Okay, obviously that uh, is not a lot, uh, and they're representing a modest uh, amount of the population, but they're in positions of influence. And so, in that case, some of these fundamentalists have shown resistance to this issue, and. In some degree, maybe have been able to hold it up or block it or what have you. And that that that's not shocking. That doesn't necessarily reflect what the entire fundamentalist community would think of it post-disclosure. But it does. It is show that that religion can, under the right circumstances, uh, be a bit of an impediment. But by and large, look at the process. They're, they're not stopping it. They can't stop it. Never could stop it. Uh, they can they can raise an objection. But overall, the process has gone way past that. So, again, uh, I'm, not I'm not worried about the world's religions. They have been around a long time. Uh, and they're going to be around a lot longer. Uh, they're not going anywhere. Uh, so most of these kinds of things were objections created and fostered and pushed forward by the government. 
by or the anti-truth uh, people, the, the, the embargo people. In other words, one way to keep people out of it is let them know, my God, you'll bring around chaos and, and religions will be totally upset and people. And so don't go there. Stop your work. Stop writing those books. Stop doing that. But it's a lie. It's propaganda designed to affect your, your decision making. And it, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it's an insult to religion, by, by, frankly. Uh, but you know, when it comes to these kinds of things, you'll use whatever you can. You don't really care. And so if insulting religion right. is going to help you maintain the policy, then you'll do it. But let's hope that we, we don't do that so much in the future. Do we think that once disclosure, um, and, and I want to get back to the Schumer Amendment real quickly, because a lot of people over the past couple of days, as obviously you've seen the Twitterverse has gone insane. Everybody's losing it, um, which rightfully show. So I, I believe that they should be fighting back. That That's that's part of our voice. Yeah. Um, but. Mm -hmm. They're not losing it, but they're, be, they're getting activists. They're, they're becoming activists. Right, and, 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 and I'm 100% perfect. Yes, I, I agree. And I think that one of the, there's two things in the amendment that I really like. One is the panel. Mm -hmm. Two is the, uh, the presidential part of it, um, where there are pieces of it, should it go before the president, um, and he gives it a nix, he says, no, we're not going to let this out. The panel can then take that information and objectively veto the, even the president. Um, it's a it's it's a built in checks and balances um, that seems really interesting to me. But beyond that, Steve, what do you think is going to happen specifically with and I know you're guessing here, but timeline. So let's say all goes well. This amendment passes. Maybe there's a piece moved. Maybe there's something shifted around. A lot of that information, as you said, when we talked about this at the beginning, especially with the with the documents from the 25 year time frame, basically could could immediately start shifting into the National Archives. And if that occurs, you're going to have a flood of information that basically says game over. This is real. This uh, is there. I know. But remember that uh, that's not the way I see it unfolding. All right. First, right. you. We need the congressional hearings with the major, the big witnesses, mm -hmm. the Grushes, right? And there are plenty of them. Right. Uh, right. Uh, be held with cameras and a whole lot of people watching. How many? I don't know. Could be pretty big. Believe it or not, one and a half million people, uh, one and a half billion people watched the last World Cup final. That's, you know, and probably could have been more, right? Not everybody likes soccer. So there is the capability for two, three billion people to watch a live program. You just have to make sure that everyone that's uh, broadcasting around the world has access. So who knows how big, but it'll be big. It'll be a very big audience. And one, in that hearing and the testimony will essentially just offer up the disclosure event to the president. In other words, the president won't be forcing it on anybody, won't be demanding it won't be leading it even, but rather the president will be acknowledging it. And so the president acknowledges that the evidence is obviously clear and and uh, we are not alone. And clearly the people are gonna wanna know a lot more about that. And as it happens, there is four years of legislation that was set up exactly for that moment. So the moment the president says that we are, we in fact, there is non-human intelligence engaging the, the, our world or extraterrestrial presence in our world or non-human and non-human tech or whatever. The moment those words come out of the president, we are instantly in the post-disclosure world. 
And guess what? All of the, as of this bill, once it's passed, pretty much everything that was needed to immediately address the demands of the world for the information that confirmation uh, triggers, it's all in place to deliver it. And they can start on day one. And so right away, the provisions of this legislation goes, it's now, it, it, it's, it's law, but it's put into effect. Now, the fact is, even without disclosure, even if we don't have disclosure, uh, this these bills will, will, will be operating. And so let's say disclosure was put off two years. In those two years, stuff is going to start coming out of the classified world, going through the pretty well-defined process that they're talking about, much of it being revealed to the public and then ending up in the archives, which is major part of this bill. That'll be happening. But again, logically, look, every day, more and more people figure out we're not alone. And as that stuff is coming out, it just it just makes the point even more. It becomes ludicrous. And so the idea the president is going to sit back and not do anything just go, well, you know, let's see what else comes out next week. And then something else comes out and something else. And the people are looking at the White House going, what the hell? No, you don't want to do that. You, 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 if you're the president, you want to confirm the ET presence and the truth embargo, make some serious history. And then they start bringing the stuff out based upon this legislation. So the bill gets signed December 21. Mark Warner could call hearings the first 10 days or 15 days of January. Those hearings last one week. End of January or shortly after those hearings, the president comes out in front of the, in the East Room and announces the ET presence. And then, and, and, and I, I, not, nothing much is going to be in the system at that point. The, the bills are not going to be, how would you say, in being engaged at. And then those bills go into full effect. Now, everybody wants to know everything at once. Confirmation has happened. And the whole process by which it starts coming out gets underway. And the president can sit and watch that all happening. That's wonderful. Knowing that he's the one that <laughs> basically triggered it, right? Okay. Uh, uh, and uh, other other nations, of course, will follow suit. And other nations are going to be revealing stuff too. Now, whether or not they have this elaborate legislative structure that we have, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm not aware that anything like this has been legislated anywhere else in the world. But to be honest, they really need to. In other words, everybody's going to be looking to the U.S. They expect a huge amount to come out. France may have some things. Uh, but do they have to set up quite the elaborate structure that we do? Uh, no, because one, they're not the United States. They're, they're not a major nuclear power. Right. With massive global responsibilities for uh, for, the, for, the, for the safety of uh, maintaining uh, uh, civilization. And so they can just pass a law and say, look, OK, as of now, our stuff can start coming out of the archives and the French stuff will come out. UK, they may pass some legislation. They've got a lot. I was just I was just going to mention the UK. Yeah. But, you know, I, I happen to know a few people in that little arena. So, yeah, yeah sure. It's kind of like the UK is on that one, too. Yeah. Now, now, if you're the UK, the US has already done four years of legislation, put it all together, it took a while and then right. it's done. So how hard would it be to them to create some legislation? They, they can they can use us as a model, whatever, whip something together, like pass it through to parliament and boom. And then they start bringing stuff out. It's the first nation 
particularly if it's the US that has the really big problem. Russia and China do not have that problem. So I assure you that they will very quickly. Well, let me put it this way. Wow. Uh, yeah. They might take the attitude that the less we know, the better, and they may not reveal anything. Maybe to say, whatever we got, we got. You don't need to know what we got. That's possible. But I think mm -hmm. they will acknowledge the extraterrestrial presence. Otherwise, they'd look silly. And, and dictators don't like to look silly. And so Putin and Xi Jinping may acknowledge, here, yeah, there's an extraterrestrial presence. And we got stuff, but we're not telling you what we got. Other nations are going to probably want to bring stuff out. So it, it won't just be the U.S., uh, and again, if we have disclosure and, and somehow they're not going to, they're, they're going to drag their feet on getting this material out, or if we pass this law and we don't get disclosure, other nations may start revealing stuff. Uh, it, it's going to get really messy. Uh, and so, again, at some point, you got to know when you've been defeated. All right, this is a this is a line early in the fantastic movie Gladiator, where Maximus is talking to his aide, right, and his uh, aide, you know, and and the and the and the, the Germanic tribe they're about to wipe out, right, is ready to go into battle with the Roman army, and the aide turns to Maximus and says, "You you got to know when you defeat it." And Maximus says, "Well, would you know that if you were them?" I get it. Um, it's easy for me to acknowledge that they're defeated. It's a little hard for the government to realize it's defeated in, in some cases. The truth embargo is gone. It's over. Uh, and it'd be helpful to the extent that they finally can accept that. We'll see. Uh, but overall, again, it's we're almost there. Uh, I'm not too worried about now disclosure happening. You know, it will take an outside event of enormous consequences a, nu a nuke event a nuke event is going to put this on the back burner absolutely and let's just hope that doesn't happen. but yeah you, you feel all the rest of it at this point is i mean it's it's come a long way um just since 2017 the 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 basically the dam broke i mean it was at that point that um when lou brought all that out it was just basically at that point everything just kind of flooded off the off the thing so well i mean and you've me, been working but for most people they wouldn't have understood that but the moment they came forward the moment the moment that i opened up the website for to the stars academy of arts and science and read the bios of the 10 people that were essentially making up the two you know, in addition to tom DeLong, the mm -hmm. 10 people the moment i read those bios i knew pretty much what had happened that mm -hmm. the sentiment had gotten so strong inside the military intelligence complex that at least 10 people decided to act on their own as private citizens, come forward right. with things that could shake the trees, which is exactly what they did. And so I knew the disclosure process was underway. It's happened. It's my belief that the plan was to uh, announce uh, in 17 and, and rather to announce in 17 after, but early in 17, after Hillary Clinton was uh come forward after Hillary Clinton was elected, probably even come forward after, after she, before she was inaugurated in the transition period. Uh, but when she lost, that they had to rethink it because uh, she, she wanted to disclose. That that was something on her agenda, uh, and she, she was looking forward to it, I think, and I don't blame her. Uh, but Trump, no, this wasn't, one of, this wasn't a thing for him. And so uh, when he won, they had to regroup and rethink. I think some people dropped out, some new people came on, whatever. 
but they made the right decision to ultimately come forward in October, I mean, uh, in uh, October of 2017. And so great. Uh, and I knew pretty much that that was probably the beginning of the end. It's also worth noting that all the legislation uh, that the last three years, which is like what I call the most intense period, the first three, there were things happening, a lot of behind the scenes. Uh, it was pretty messy, not clear what's going on. But then starting with uh, December of 2000 and 2020, uh, we got real serious and the process really becomes formalized. And Marco Rubio will get the historic credit for that. And it's worth noting that in this three years, from December of 2020 to December of 2023, and oh, actually before December of 2020, the legislation was kind of being considered and put together in 2020 in the middle of a pandemic that got worse and worse and worse. And yet the law got passed. And then we go into 2021 and the pandemic continues. It's raising hell creating economic problems and everything else. And the legislation continues. And then we get into 2022 and Putin goes to war in the Ukraine. All hell is breaking loose. Mm -hmm. uh, there's all kinds of discussions of potential nuclear war. It's a mess. It's awful. It's, it's completely consuming the press. And the legislation continues. And you get the third tranche in 2022. And then this last year, more Ukraine war and other other problems and other things that have happened, pretty awful. Um, and here we are with probably the final bill. So that's how powerful the disclosure process ultimately became. It became unstoppable, right? In other words, no matter what happens, pretty much it was going to keep going, as opposed to, in the perfect counterexample, is... Uh, 20, 2001, when after a great deal of money and expense and effort, Stephen Greer's operation called Project, uh, Disclosure Project uh, spends a great deal of money and holds a huge press conference in the National Press Building, just four floors above me now, brings forward a bunch of witnesses and has the May 9th press conference. Uh, boy, looking pretty favorable. I felt very optimistic. Uh, this is going to shake the trees. This is going to get the press. There was a lot of press in that room, believe me, national and international. Four months later, 9-11. That's it. Tabled everything. Stopped it cold. Uh, so, but that was then. That was 2001. This is 22 years later. It's going to take something of an even greater magnitude than that to stop this process now. And the only thing that really comes to mind that it would be a nuke uh, it could be just a single nuke either by by the forces in ukraine or by a terrorist group non-state operator whatever that would table it in other words they're not gonna they're not gonna be getting together to hold a hearing in front of the senate if a nuke goes off somewhere period it's going to be tabled indefinitely mm -hmm. while they deal with that all right it's going to take about that. I can't, nothing else comes to mind. Well, okay. No, there's a few things. If, if China were to launch an all-out invasion of Taiwan, we even without the nukes, table, no question, not going anywhere. Uh, and we'll have to wait until that's resolved. So that's, of the, that's, again, the kind of magnitude that it's going to take to stop the process now. Once this is all out into the open um, 
And I, I do maintain, we've talked about this the last time we were together about the small D versus the big D disclosure. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think there will be blowback by the public um, about the legacy programs and the legacy uh, of secrets? Or do you think that overall, I know we talked about this, we touched on it briefly, Generation X, Generation Z, Y, whatever, they're, they're going to be fine. There's not going to be an issue there. Um, do you think they'll be held to task or do you think it's going to be, hey, listen, we, we, we got, we, at least now we know. Um, yeah. So let's just move forward. I mean, that's, that's my feeling. Yeah. Hey, now we know let's move forward. Let's, well, let's get this done and not worry. There's 330 million people in the country. That's a lot of people. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of, a lot, there's going to be a little of everything, but, uh, Overall, the way this process is unfolding, I do believe that people are going to be understanding. They're going to be extremely pleased that now they're going to be getting the truth. And there's a lot to learn. And that's going to be exciting. They're, the contactees are going to be thrilled. Their, their experience will be now fully vindicated. And there will be those that more of a political bent, act, heavy activist bent, what have you, that are going to want to sort through and deal with a lot of the abuses and the problems that, that were generated. There, there's an overall need for reform. So we need to understand how this happened. How did you manage to virtually uh, cloak reality that was literally obvious, I mean, literally in front of our own eyes for 76 years? How'd you manage to pull that off? And please don't do that again. So there's that, but that's, that's reformist stuff. But there's gonna be some lawsuits. There's gonna be demands for some, some people maybe to be criminalized. Uh, obviously, an amnesty law and a and recon, truth and reconciliation law will, will min, minimize that. Um, but th- this is such a huge event as compared to other things that people learn about that their government had done awful things. This event is so significant, so huge. It dwarfs the irritations that people might have it's just so big that you it's almost a uh a, a, not a luck that would be in other words it's almost a shame that one would invest a great deal of time trying to go back and and relive the past or at least account for the past i mean historians will do it that's fine i mean that's great but i'm, I'm talking about litigating or whatever or you know, dragging people front forward, forcing them to do this, forcing, just in general, backward engagement. It's almost a shame because there's so much that one can learn and do and think about in, in a post-disclosure world that it's a bit of waste. But some will do it. Is it going to be a major problem for the government? Major, no. But it depends, though. There are some things that there are some things that will be more concerning than others. Uh, and one of them is if there is a, if we learn absolutely that a treaty of some kind or some arrangement was made in which we, we whether or not it, they needed it or not, the government agreed right. that they would simply just give the ETs carte blanche to do their genetic work in return for something. I don't know. That's going to offend people at a level that they're not going to let that go easily. That's, that's going to be tough. Right. That's a bad one. All right. Um, and there's, you know, if the government was abducting people 
and then using drugs to interrogate them and also implant false memories of an alien abduction uh, uh, as part of what is often referred to as the MyLab program. That's going to be tough. People are going to be pretty unhappy about that. Uh, and apologies would be in order, maybe even some restitution. So that's a tough one. Um, but it won't be as bad as the analogy that I've come up with uh, and use to demonstrate this the need for the public relations. Here is something that's off the chart, right? And and what we're dealing with here is not at this level. But this is this is not an unrealistic metaphor or example. Let's say our government in the early fifties, uh, as part of, part of research doing on biological weapons or whatever, came across an extraordinary finding that they quickly saw a promise in, and in a short amount of time, were able to come up with a drug or a treatment of some kind that virtually uh, uh, took out all cancers. Period. In other words, whatever cancer you got, just took it down. All right, an anti-cancer, universal anti-cancer treatment or drug. And so, wow, that's pretty big, pretty cool. We should tell the people about that right away. Let's get this out there. And then a bunch of national security guys and some bean counters came in the room and they, they sat down and they said, look, let's, uh, let's look at this. All right. If we let this treatment out, it's going to expend, extend the lifespans of millions and millions and millions of people. And that's going to bankrupt the social security system. And that would be a national, that would be a real problem. Right. Uh, now, they could pass new laws. Uh, they could extend the dates and the ages and whatever the hell. But overall, it would be a nightmare. Uh, and It'd so, also be a diabolical cover-up. Yeah. Well, that's the point I'm making that, that okay, and they decide in, for national security reasons, because obviously our safety network, they decide we just can't tell the public yet. Let's see what happens. And so for the next 76 years, this extraordinary medical treatment is simply embargoed. But then based upon research and activism and other things, eventually the embargo must end. And somebody's got to walk out in front of a microphone at the Department of Defense in the briefing room or maybe at the White House and answer this question. Did the United States have a universal cure for cancer in 1951? And the answer will be yes. That's a public relations problem. This ain't that bad. It's not that bad. I hope there isn't anything like that in the government's world that they would ever have to deal with. I hope not. But that's what I mean by a real public relations problem. This, and I don't think that's even recoverable. I mean, I think you're talking about overthrow of the government. You're talking about all kinds of yeah, that's, people will go nuts. That, will that's diabolical. It will be, there will be lawsuits and the trillions of dollars. It'd just be awful. So not that bad. But that's what I'm getting at. It's bad enough that public relations is on their mind and this process underway is going to mitigate that, that problem for them. So it's uh, certainly an interesting next couple days anyway, to see what's going to happen. Oh yeah. Um, do you have any uh, final thoughts or, or things that you'd like to get out there? Well, I sent a link. I don't know if you were able to put that up, but I do. I have that link. Okay. There's a link that I put up that is a link to, a, a, um, 
a message or a, a PRG update that I sent out. Okay, so it's a link to the update. You just read it. But on that update, uh, and what this update is about is this: that when it comes to getting messages to Congress, I have a way that I think is the most preferred. I think it's the way to go. I could be wrong. Uh, you know, people can call, people can send a letter, they can send an email. Okay. Well, okay, fine. Each one has advantages and disadvantages, but. By and large, uh, uh, I mean this way. Compared to those three, I think there's a superior way if you're on Twitter, and it's called tagging. And so, what you do when you tag a message is you go uh, at Senator Schumer, at Senator or Senator Mitchell, whatever. Uh, I I want this bill to be passed and without any changes. It's very important. And you just got a message in there that you support this bill. You do not want it changed and you you do and you want it passed. And then you just post it. Right. I've got a list that I put out on that link that I just told you of uh, all of the members of the House, Senate, Intel and not Armed Services Committees. These are the key. About 100. And so you could send you could even send the same message to each one. That's not a problem. And so you could just, you know, post at paste post that paste and you could send easily a message to all 100 of them and and how does that work it's cool because the way twitter works is if you tag somebody in a message that message goes to their notifications it doesn't go to their page in most cases only they can post on their page but it goes to notifications and they just pile up there all right so every office has a staffer and one of their jobs is to quote monitor email uh, and monitor social media, particularly Twitter. And so the staffer goes, opens up Twitter, goes to notifications, and sees all these messages coming in about this bill. Scores of them, right? Could be hundreds. That is something that they're going to then refer to the members. They're going to say, "Look, this is coming in," because their job is to see what people are saying about them. And so, if somebody says something about a member and and, and tags that post, that member's notification is going to get in there, and so they can they can get some feedback what people are saying about the member. This is important. And so they just tell the member. The member goes to the notification section, just scrolls, and the member in a few minutes can just go scroll them all and get a very good sense of how much people want this to happen. This is extremely effective. And it's easy. You can do hundreds of these. Now, I don't. I'm, I'm not going to put out a boilerplate message because when the when 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 you do some, something like this and and the, and, the, and the target is getting the same message, boilerplate, it just it negates its power, right? right. It, it's like a bot. No, the messages need to be unique, unique to each person. But if you're going to send one the same message to each member, that's okay, right? If you send right. another one, make it a different one. Don't keep sending the same one. So. That I set that up and I put it out. Uh, I put it out on Twitter. When I put that that Twitter link version of that, which is basically also included all hundred handles, Twitter handles, mm-hmm. that's gotten over three hundred thousand views in about two and a half days. So that really hit hard and hit well. And I've also done it. Mm-hmm. So this this is the the easiest way to to reach lots of members of Congress if you're on Twitter, all right? And the other advantages are all on it is that when you send an email, it goes between you and then, and that's it, deleted, filed, whatever. But when you do a tagging post to a Twitter site, the tagging post, right, goes up on your page. 
because this is a post you're making goes up on your page. And so people that 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 are that they're not, you're not, they're not following you or you're not following them, but they just happen to come to your page, uh, they will see that. So it has a viral capability. So people see, oh, right. you're posting that message. Maybe I should do that. And again, me email calls and letters, they don't have that benefit. So this is, you know, if, if enough people do this, believe me, it, it's very, very easy, impacting and fast. So this is the recommended approach. Tag messages to members of Congress. You could do all 430, all 535 of the 535 members. Only a couple do not have a Twitter account. Right. Everybody else does. And so you can do all 535. It's up to you. How many you want to do? I have I have uh, curated 100 to make that easy. I might curate the other three, 435. I, uh, I think that's overkill, uh, but whatever. Somebody else might do that. Maybe there's a site somewhere where they're all sitting right there, but usually those behind a paywall. But that's one way to affect this. Now, if you if you know somebody in the office, if you know a staffer of one of these members, oh, yeah, call the office, talk to your your acquaintance. That's that's strong. Sending a letter, uh, it's laborious as hell. Emails, that's that's okay. Uh, I'm not saying you don't do these things, but if, if you want to get the message out to a lot of people quickly, uh, the Twitter tagging is nothing beats that. So uh, I recommend people do that. Now I'll finish up with some promos here, Steve. Sure. Uh, first of all, I want to mention that uh, the New Paradigm Institute that Danny Sheehan founded is now up and running. It's got some funding. It's uh, and it's in a dust in time. And it's, it's just dove into this issue in a big way. And they're orchestrating a fairly substantial national response. They already have their office opened in uh, Washington, uh, one block from the Capitol. Uh, I'm going to be working with them. Eventually, I'll have a little think tank underway. I'm two blocks from the White House. So, yeah, it's kind of nice setup there. Uh, and Danny, they've already gotten out a very substantial press release. It's up on my all of my social media accounts. It's also and up on Twitter. And I send it out to my uh, groups. And let me do this. Hang on. I think I've got it. Let me send you that link. This is a very substantial press release put out by the New Paradigm Institute. Uh, I hope I have it up. Maybe I don't. Uh, there it is. Hang on. Here's the link for your viewers. Um and check it out. I mean, it's, you know, it lays it out pretty, pretty clearly. Uh, I'm going to go here, private chat, going here. Whoops, not that. Uh, bingo. Okay. So that's the press release. There'll be, there's going to be more press releases, I assure you. Uh, and a lot of uh, other activist organizations are going to be joining in this uh, effort. Uh, th th this may not be their issue, but this issue really affects everyone. So that's going to happen. Uh, uh, and so the new paradigm institute is up underway, and uh, and and they they're going to be looking for millions of dollars of funding, because this this is a big deal. This is going to have a huge, a very substantial, high level advisory board. It's going to be a full think tank, but to be obviously uh, the real deal, you need money. So those of you that want to really affect the post disclosure world, uh, give consideration to, and if you've got the big bucks. Donate to the Paradigm New Paradigm Institute. Um, something else. On November the first of this year, uh, I co-founded with my partner Dan Harari, my publicist, an organization which I think is going to be very useful, and nothing like it 
well, there was nothing like it in this field before. And it's called the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance at HollywoodDisclosureAlliance.org. It's modeled after the Environmental Media Association that was founded in the 1990s by Norman Lear and his wife. They, and it still exists today. And it, it, it has, it's, it has all top A-list major people and others in its, uh, in its uh, supporting structure. Uh, it was launched to bring together, to network together, to facilitate interaction between the entire entertainment industry, actors, directors, producers, cinematographers, production people, everything, and the entire activist, uh, environmental activist movement. So that they identify who, who is what, who's interested, who wants to get involved, so they can get together to create content, massive content uh, that would help to educate people about the environmental issues, of which there are vast numbers. I mean, this is a much bigger movement than the disclosure movement, I assure you. And it's still around, and it's, and it's, and it's done a huge amount of work. Okay, we created up the Hollywood, Hollywood Disclosure Alliance. Its goal, and it's a nonprofit, it will make no money, it, it, it will only raise donations, tax-free donations, it will sell nothing, no attendance fees, no, no, no subscription fees, nothing. All it's doing is trying to connect the entertainment industry with the, the, the UFO, UAP community. And so we have entertainment industry founding members and we have UAP founding members. And then we have a board that's about half and half, entertainment board members, UAP board members. And so what that does is for the UAP community, you've got these people in the industry that are basically saying by being on a founding member, they're saying, we're into this, we're into this subject. We wanna deal with this subject. And so that means that the, those that want to do docs or streaming series or whatever the hell, they kind of know who they want to go talk to, right? And as the number of entertainment industry founding members grows, they will have a greater and greater network. So they're not going to be knocking on doors and being told, we don't, we don't give a damn about that subject. Don't bother us. They're going to know that these people want to, want to deal with this issue to create content. The entertainment industry, of course, will have a, you know, an idea of who they want to reach out to, right? The people in this field. Why? And this is necessary because the truth embargo has separated these two groups for 70 years, preventing it, making it damn near impossible for the people in this field to get access to the, that kind of money and that kind of technology and, and production ability. And the, the the film industry people, they don't want to buck the truth embargo. So they, they've made a couple of hundred billion dollars from fictional movies about extraterrestrials. That's great. Love it, no problem. I've been to see most of them, but they have never allowed a documentary on the UAP subject to have big screen uh, distribution. Wouldn't do it. Haven't done it. So, the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance is about networking, and it's all about the post-disclosure world. Its value becomes very important in the post-disclosure world. It's not going to have much impact on that situation now. Uh, we hope it will grow. I think in not too long a time, we're probably going to have about 200 or more founding members and maybe a board of about 30. And we have an executive board that runs it. And then a 30, the th a larger board will be like ambassadors. So uh, that, that is now underway 30 years on. The website is still in development. It's got some things to be added, but it's, it's open and you can check it out. Uh, the only way that new founding members can uh, go, come on board is they have to be referred in by other members, other founding members or board members, and they'll be reviewed by the executive committee. It's not just apply. It's not like applying to college. But if someone has you know, time and grade 
in the film industry or in the entertainment industry and timing great in the UAP issue, odds are they'll end, they can be a founding member. So that's underway. The other thing I want to mention is that uh, I'm going to be going to uh, the World Ufology Congress and I'll be there December, two, December 1, 2, 3. Uh, big event, Mexico City. Get down there, join us, but it's going to be a big event. Uh, Mexico is very into this issue, big time. Uh, and I'll be addressing them on the basis of the impact of disclosure on the planet, the world. And and then the other thing I'll mention is that uh, Contact in the Desert, which came back with a, a vigorous conference last year, or this year, would be back again bigger than ever, probably twice as many attendees. This will be May 30 to, uh, to June 3. Uh, I'm going to be speaking, of course, and I'll also be helping to produce the event. Uh, if uh, it's going and, and, and given the things that could happen between now and May 30, it could be one hell of a get together. And so you want to be there. But if you want to be there, you need to get your room now. I don't know about buying a ticket, but you better get your hotel room now because there won't be a room within miles and not in the not too distant future. So that's coming down. Uh, and that's kind of it. I'm sure I'm leaving something out, but uh, uh, next year could be it. And uh, uh, I, I look forward to to uh, uh, coming on later with some more news and what have you. Uh, and, and also, I'll leave with this. The truth embargo has weathered many storms. It, it, it has managed to stay around for years. It weathered the beginning of the Internet the Mosaic and, and Netscape browsers. It weathered the initial beginning of real social media with Facebook, then with Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and, and, and the translation capabilities of, of websites. So now you, don't, you can go to any website in the world, translate it and read it. It's weathered all of these things. But I think the final blow, the one that broke the dam down was the podcast revolution, right? I mean, I knew about broadcast.com and the idea that radio stations could broadcast the net fine. But the podcast revolution is beyond that. The, 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 the kind of technology, the cost of technology, the ability of, 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 of people willing to, to get into this exploded. And now there are millions of podcasts, including huge numbers dealing with the UAP issue where anybody can get interviewed. Uh, you don't have to go on ABC or CNN. You can do a podcast interview. It's all archived. You can it, it's, it never goes away. And these things are piling up by the thousands. The truth embargo could can survive that. And I think maybe the podcast revolution was the final blow. They just say, that's it. We give up. You know, let's get going here. <laughs> you know, let's 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 start some legislation. Let let's have some meetings. And so, my friend Stephen, you are part of the the activist movement that brought the truth embargo to its knees. You should be proud of yourself, and I, I hope you, you gain a even larger audience next year. Mike, hit your mic. All right. No. Maybe it's me. Is it me? How about now? Yeah, you're good. Maybe, nope. Maybe it got me now. That's there all we right. go. Of course, you had to you had to say all those lovely things, and then I couldn't even turn my microphone back on. That's so. okay. That's okay. No, but I I I, I, I that, do appreciate the. I and I appreciate that very much. You know, coming from you, it's a it's a very big compliment because you were there before hmm, pretty much all of us. So it's a it's a major compliment coming from you and i do appreciate that and i i, was I know we do a, talk a little bit behind the scenes too so i'd like to keep doing that that's nice i like that sure i i was gonna do a podcast i sort of started it 
but my heart wasn't in it. And I think ultimately I realized, no, Steve, you're, you're not, you're not, you don't want to host a podcast. You want to be on a podcast. You're a guest. You're not a podcaster. Uh, you can't really do both. And, and I'm fine with that. Uh, but it'll be kind of fun we to do it. I, so I know it'd be kind of cool, but that's okay. Maybe, maybe later, maybe down the line, we'll see. But, uh, and, uh, I never say never, never say never, but, uh, Anytime you need me, my friend, I am famous for being able to do a podcast on 10 minutes notice. So don't hesitate. Fantastic. All right. Okay. I appreciate it. Thanks, Steve. Here's to it. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.